0: May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I want to welcome you today to part four of our message series, Evidence That God Exists. And I want to say thank you to you guys for uh, volunteering to be part of our jury today and that we didn't actually have to summon you or subpoena you to be here today. So thank you for that. Um, Go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. Uh, Because I want to jump right into it this morning. Um, Because this morning I'm talking about personal evidence that God exists. We're talking about personal evidence. Um, Now what is personal evidence? What do I mean when I say that? Well, here's your first feeling of the morning, okay? It is this. Personal evidence is when the Lord leads someone to do something that they would not normally do, but it works out in the end for the better. It's when the Lord leads someone to do something they would not normally do, but it works out in the end for the better. Now, honestly, this is evidence that no one can argue with, okay? They, they can't argue with No one can say, nope, that didn't happen to you. Now, they might, you know, try to call it luck or fate or destiny or karma, you know, because bottom line, they just don't want to call it God, okay? But they can't deny that it actually happened. Okay, let me give you an example of some personal evidence uh, from my own personal life. I remember, you know, one time when uh, Amy and I were working out at the gym, just one time, we just worked out <laughs> once, one time, well, Amy and I were working out at the gym, and uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, a, a few stations away from us, you know, there was a lady that was, you know, working out that we knew from the community, I mean, she was just, one, you know, one of our friends, you know, and I was just sitting there, and I was thinking about the church, and I was thinking about Like, what was going on, and, you know, what our next steps were, what we needed to do next, and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I mean, I was just talking, and and I, I really felt like God was wanting me to go and talk to this lady. I'm thinking, I don't want to go talk to this lady. I don't want to, like, go make small talk. I mean, I just want to finish working out. You know, go home and watch TV. I mean, I don't want to go do this. And so, anyway, so I just kind of put it off. And um, Anyway, so I'm just talking to Amy. We're chatting, you know, between my, you know, bench press sets. of like, you know, 200, 250, 300 ounces. So anyway, um, but, I, but I really feel like God's wanting me to go talk to this lady. So I thought, oh, okay, fine. So I, I tell Amy, so then I... What I'm gonna do, so I go over and I visit with her for a few minutes. So and I'm like, hey, how you doing? How's it going? And so we start making small talk just like I thought we would. So we start making, and so, you know, so, you know, she asked me about the church and I was like, oh, it's going great. You know, it's going fine. Actually, well, you know, we're thinking about hiring someone. And she goes, oh, I know just the person. I just talked to a lady. Yesterday, whose husband is on staff at a church, and he's not happy there. He'd be perfect for you. And I'm thinking, oh, great, a disgruntled person. That's what we want. Awesome. So sure enough, you know, we, we talk for a little longer. She tells me more about it. And you know, as she tells me more about this person, I just I, I begin to think, I'm thinking, well, Lord, maybe part of the reason you want me to th- wanted me to talk to this lady was to talk to this guy so sure enough I got his name and I got his number I called him the next day we met we interviewed and we hired him and that is how Chris Sedgwick our youth pastor came to Parkway Fellowship how cool is that right now I tell you that story because here's the deal if God does not exist Why did I feel compelled to go talk to this lady? And and seriously, the timing was perfect. I mean, had this whole thing happened just even a couple of days earlier, you know, she had just talked to her friend, we had just decided that we were going to hire someone. If it had happened just a couple of days earlier, it would have just been small talk. It never would have amounted to anything. And so, if God does not exist, how could any of that have happened? I mean, people can call it luck, or they can call it fate, or they can call it karma, but here's the deal. When I pray, and then God leads me to do something that I would not normally do, and it works out in the end, I call it God. That's what I call it. And a person can't tell me it didn't happen, because it did. Because how could someone explain how that happens over and over and over and over and over again in my life? That is personal evidence that God exists. And the benefit of this kind of evidence is not just that it proves that God exists, but it also proves what kind of God exists. Because look, if God is leading people, and he's speaking to people, and he's guiding people, That means that he's personal. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Look, God doesn't want you to be religious, okay? In fact, that's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. It's not a religion. It's a relationship that you can have with God who's personal and loving and forgiving and kind. So, what is some of this personal evidence that proves that God exists? Well, let me offer you Exhibit A. Exhibit A is this, the people in this room. Exhibit A is just the people in this room. On Wednesday of last week, I sent out an email to the membership of our church, and I asked them to respond yes or no to, a very, to one simple question. Here's the question. It was this. Have you ever done something you would not normally have done because you felt like God was leading you to do it? And in the end, it worked out better than if you had done it your way. That was the question I emailed out. And of the responses I received, get this. said that they've been led by God at some point in their life to do something they would not normally have done, and in the end, it worked out better than if they'd done it their own way. That's amazing. Look, if God did not exist, you'd expect that number to be like 20%, you know, or maybe even like 50 50 because, you know, those are the odds that just, you know, things would just kind of balance out and work out. But when it's ridiculously high, like 94%, that is a preponderance of personal evidence that God exists. I mean, how else can you explain it? 94%? I mean, that's that's amazing, Uh, you know. And I wonder how many of those 6% maybe have just not been Christ followers long enough to have experienced something like that. Or maybe they were, they've just been too scared in their life to, and too timid to take that step of faith to just you know, do something out of the ordinary that God's asked them to do. And so they've just never seen it work out yet. But regardless, 94% is an overwhelming amount of personal evidence. And the, listen, and the reason it's so convincing is that there's literally... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that responded. I mean, it's not like I just like polled 10 people, okay? I mean, this is hundreds and hundreds of people. And look, you can deny my experience, and you can deny the experience of somebody else. But when literally, you can line up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds hundreds of people... And each of them have a story to tell how God led them to do something that they would not normally do and in the end it worked out better than they could have ever thought. How in the world can you possibly deny that amount of personal evidence? And the fact that it worked out 94% of the time. How else could you explain it? Other than God exists. Now, these next three pieces of evidence that I'm going to go over with you today, um, basically all of them are examples from the Bible. Now, look, in case you don't believe the Bible or maybe aren't sure the Bible is true, I want to encourage you to go listen to a message series that I did last year. It was called Puzzled by the Bible. Um, it was a great message series. and We have put it on our church app so you can listen to it on your phone. And I want to especially encourage you to go listen to the first message that was titled how do I know the Bible's real? Because the truth is, I don't have time to re-preach that today. Um, I don't have time to go through all of the historical accuracies, the, um, the numbers of copies, um, the, the many authors spanning thousands of years that never contradicted each other. And if, what, if you'll go and listen to that, you will discover why almost every scholar admits that the Bible is more reliable than any other piece of work in antiquity that's what they would say so listen just go check it out but now i want to give you these examples consider exhibit b exhibit b is this noah and the ark noah and the ark look what the bible says in genesis chapter 6 it says this it says god's talking to noah in uh, chapter 6, and he says, So go make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how long you're, how you're to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits. And now I put these little parentheses in there so you would know how long these, these are. That's 450 feet long. 50 cubits, that's 75 feet wide. And 30 cubits, that's 45 feet high. Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Now look, here is a great example of someone doing something that God commands that they would not normally do, okay? God told Noah, go build a boat. Not anything cool like a bass boat or anything like that, okay? He told him to go build a big boat, like an obnoxiously big boat. Go build an ark and probably you know Noah did this like just in his front yard okay and immediately after he started the world's first HOA was formed to prevent people from doing this kind of thing (laughs) okay (laughs) now you'd think that like Noah was crazy right and honestly a lot of people did but in the end Noah was right and there was this huge flood, and everybody and everything was wiped out except for Noah and the animals in the ark. Now, my point in telling you this story and getting you to read the story is this: is that the story of Noah provides personal evidence that God exists, because why else would someone build a 450-foot ark in the front yard? That is not something that you would normally do. I mean, you could say that Noah's crazy, but at the end, it worked out exactly like God had told him. Now look, if it hadn't worked out, you could say that, you know what, that provides evidence that God, like, does not exist. But it did work out. There was a flood, and there is t- tons of geological evidence to say that there was, at one time in history, a global flood. And so, since it did happen... How else, what else would you say to explain it? How would you explain it other than God exists? Consider Exhibit C. Exhibit C is a man named Ananias. Exhibit C is Ananias. Now, let me set this story up for you so that you'll know what's going on. There was a guy named Saul whose name was later changed to Paul, but Um, At this point in time, he's not yet a Christ Christ follower. In fact, he's out killing Christians. So God caused a bright light to shine on him while he was on the road to Damascus, and it caused him to go blind. Well, anyway, then God appears to a guy named Ananias and tells Ananias to do something he would not ever choose to do on his own. And it provides personal evidence for Ananias. Ananias. Look at the story. It says this in Acts chapter 9. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. Now, Ananias, who never would have gone anywhere near Saul, actually goes to seek him out to pray for him. In fact, he doesn't even know where Saul is, so God has to tell him. He tells him, "Go to a house. It's on Straight Street. The house belongs to a guy named Judas. So you'll know who it is. Ask for a guy named Saul who's like in a back room praying." Now look, if Ananias goes and there's nobody on straight Street named Judas who has a house and there's nobody inside named Saul who's praying, and, and, uh, then you and I would say, Psh, clearly, this guy does not, I mean, clearly this guy doesn't know what he's doing. God clearly does not exist. But it did work out. In fact, it happened exactly as God said it would. I mean, that's not a coincidence. I mean, that kind of thing doesn't happen by chance. And since there, he went to Straight Street, there was a house owned by a guy named Judas. There was a guy in the back, named name was Saul, who was later changed to Paul. And he was expecting a guy named Ananias to show up. That's incredible personal evidence that God does exist. But that's not all i want you to look at exhibit d exhibit d is this exhibit d is peter james and john i want you to think about peter james and john now in this story jesus has climbed into a boat owned by these three guys okay um, and he's using it as jesus is using it as a stage to talk to the people who are lined up on the shore okay anyway And after Jesus wraps it up, these three guys are about to experience some very powerful personal evidence, okay? The story picks up in Luke 5, and here it is. It says, when he had finished speaking, that's Jesus, he said to Simon, and that's Simon Peter, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, I mean, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, think about this. I mean, here's these three guys, professional fishermen. They've been out all night, haven't caught a single fish. And then Jesus, not a fisherman, a carpenter, tells him, let down their nets for a sure catch. Now, I am sure that these three guys, Peter, James, and John, they, they had their doubts. I mean, because look, this is clearly not something that Simon Peter would have decided to do all on his own. But I think he humored Jesus and let down the nets anyway. Now look, if they didn't catch anything, then you, know, you and I and Simon Peter, you know, we would all say, well, <laughs> see, there's nothing here. We told you so. And so now there's also no reason for me to believe that you're the son of God. But that didn't happen, now did it? No. In fact, the very thing that Jesus told them would happen, happened. They caught so many fish that their nets began to tear. I mean, they did something that they would not have normally done, and it worked out better than they could have possibly imagined. I mean, that is amazing. It provided, listen, it provided such convincing personal evidence that god exists and that jesus was his son that when jesus asked simon peter to leave everything and come and follow him that simon peter simon peter james and john they just walk away from everything and follow jesus look at this verse 8 when simon peter saw this he fell at jesus knees and said go away from me lord i'm a sinful man For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. And this is all of them. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You see, Simon experienced such powerful personal evidence that it changed his life. Look, and you can argue all day long that you don't believe the Bible, but just before you discount it entirely, you need to understand this, that history doesn't refute that this is exactly how Simon Peter became a disciple. There are no scholars that challenge that Peter had this encounter and that it went down exactly as it was described here. And look, here's the deal. If God doesn't exist, how in the world can you explain this? If God's not real, then tell me how this could have happened. How could Jesus have done this? I mean, you could call it luck if you want, but a carpenter telling professional fishermen where to fish when they haven't caught anything all night long, and then it happens? I mean, look, if it didn't happen, I mean, we would just, yeah, don't believe it. Don't believe you either, Jesus. But it Did happen exactly as he predicted and and it convinced peter james and john that god is real and that jesus is real so much so that they left everything and followed him and look here's the deal i could tell you tons of stories like this from the bible I just don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Samuel and Anna and Solomon and Simeon and on and on and on and on. And I certainly don't have time to line up the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that are sitting in this room and in the next two services that all have stories to tell about how God led them to do something and then it, that they would not normally do and it worked out in the end. I mean, if you can line up all of that and think about all that, How in the world are you going to possibly tell me that God does not exist after that enormous mountain of evidence and all of those people's stories, including the ones in the Bible? I mean, who could have told these people these things? How could all this stuff have been possibly been known? Look, it's all personal evidence that God exists. Okay. All right, Pastor Mike, well, what does that mean for me? It means two very key things. Here's the first. It means this. Commit to step out on faith when God asks. Commit to step out on faith when God asks. I mean, look, God wants to have a personal relationship with you. And with each of these examples, God asks someone to take a step of faith and to trust him. Okay. And whether, I mean, that was building an ark, or whether it was going to a house on Straight Street, or whether it was like throwing down your nets, or one of the other hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories of people that are sitting in this room. God asks them to, take a, to trust him and take a step of faith and do something that they would not normally do on their own. Let me ask you this. If you are already a Christ follower, do you live like that? Do you live like that? That when you feel like God is asking you to do something out of the ordinary that you would not normally do, do you just take that step of faith and do it? If that's not you, or it's not as much of you as you want, make a commitment now that if God tells you to do something, if he tells you to walk across the gym and talk to someone, that he has a reason behind it. Just because you don't know it doesn't make any difference. You have, just say to yourself, the next time God tells me to do something or I feel like he's leading me to do something, I'm just, just going to do it. I'm telling you, that is one exciting way to live, man. And it's fun because you get to see in retrospect how God works things out as he wants at least 94% of the time. Here's the second thing it means. Number two, I need to start a relationship with God. Look, here's the deal. If you're not a Christ follower yet, what are you waiting for? Look, God's not asking you to be religious. He's asking you to have a relationship with him. Look, and just like Peter He's asking you to follow him. It's about you having a real relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And you can start that relationship with his son by asking him to forgive you for everything you've ever done and then pledging to follow him just like Peter did from this day forward. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed that prayer to become a Christ follower before, maybe you've been putting it off for a while. Don't put it off any longer. Pray that prayer right now. See, it's when you have a personal relationship with God that he guides you through life. And from time to time, he's going to lead you to do something that you would not normally do on your own. And if you will take that step of faith, no matter what it is, and follow through and do it, it will provide for you personal evidence that God exists. So I want everybody right now, go ahead and pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. On the card and on the notes, I want you to check the next step or steps that you're willing to take today. Maybe it's this first one. This week, I will tell someone my story of how God asked me to step out on faith and he came through for me. I mean, maybe you want to tell that in your small group this week. In fact, small group leaders, I would encourage you, take the first 10 minutes of small group this week and say, okay. Okay. Does anybody have a story you want to tell about how you stepped out on faith and trusted God and it worked out? And just let people tell their stories. I'm telling you, how cool would that be to hear that and how encouraging would it be for other people in that room? Next, I will listen to the, to the Puzzled by the Bible series on the Parkway Fellowship Bible app. Or not the Bible app, just the app. Um, if you've never listened to that series or forgotten it or, wanted, or, or you know, like, oh, I doubt the Bible, go back and listen to that series. Make a commitment to do that. Just take that little bit of time and listen to it. Next, I'm already a Christ follower, and I make a commitment to deepen my relation with God and not my religion for God. Because look, God, God is not interested in you being more religious. He's interested in having more of a relationship with you. So would you focus less on doing the rights and the wrongs and focus more on on deepening your relation with him by praying and reading the bible would you focus more on that and then after that the obedient stuff will just flow out of that relationship and it won't won't feel very burdensome it'll actually feel pretty easy that's the key next i commit to obeying god when he asks me to do something even if it seems unusual out of that relationship, if God asks you to do something you feel like he's leading you to, or you feel compelled, or you feel led, and you can't, they're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what God is there. Make Just go do it. I mean, unless it's something that's like, like, blatantly sinful, okay? As long as it's not that, make a commitment to do it. Make a commitment to finally lead that kind of life. I'm telling you, it is so much fun. And it is so life-giving when you see God do that kind of thing. Okay, next. I want to become a Christ follower for the, today for the first time in my life. If you've prayed that prayer today for the first time, because maybe you've been thinking about it as we started this series, if you've prayed that prayer, or maybe you're about to pray that prayer, check this box because I'm going to mail you some free stuff in the mail. I also want you to pick up a New Believer packet. It's on a little table just before you walk outside of each, each of these doors. Just snag one on your way out, all right? Here's the last one. I will listen to any, of the messages, to any of the messages in this series that I've missed before I come here, the last piece of evidence, next Sunday. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about healing evidence, which, by the way, the Bible says is the most convincing and compelling evidence that God exists. So we've saved the best for last. Make sure you come back next week. But listen to the rest of this before, because remember, in this series, it's supposed to be being taken as a whole not in individual pieces. Let me pray for you as Pat and the worship team come back up. Father, I thank you so much that, um, God, that personal evidence is real. Uh, You know, I know it's different than other kinds of evidence that you've offered in this series, but God, we can't deny that it happened. People can't deny that it happened to me, that it happened to Noah, that it happened to Ananias, that it happened to Peter, James, John, that it happens to literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in this room. And God, I, truthfully, honestly, I don't know of any other explanation for it other than you. And so I ask that you would use that to reveal yourself to people people that have been doubting, people that are struggling, and people that just have yet to take that step of faith. And for those of us that have taken that initial step of faith to become Christ followers, I ask that you would help us to live a life of stepping out in faith. Live a life of just taking some risks, taking some chances for you, knowing that you've got a way, you've got a plan, you've, you're, you've got it already worked out if we'll just follow you. And in doing so, providing even stronger personal evidence that you exist. Bring us back safely next week, Father, so we can hear the final piece of evidence. And ask you to do all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.